0: Okay. And just to kind of catch us all up on the series, the first week of the series we looked at our vision statement. Our vision statement for Summit Church is basically the one application here that supersedes all other applications. So church, what is that application? Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, you've got it. That that needs to be the primary driver here at Summit. Paul likes to use a word in the Greek language, Um, it's the word pleroma, and uh, we find that used quite a bit in Colossians, Uh, we just uh, finished a study of the book of Ephesians, it's used quite a bit there. Pleroma means fullness, and basically pleroma says in the message of the book of Colossians is basically that Jesus is the beginning of our faith, and Jesus is the fulfillment of our faith. So what we need to understand here is that Jesus must be and must become the very uh, root system of our faith, that part of our faith that is not seen. Jesus also must become the very structure of our faith. He must become the plant of that faith. And Jesus must become the source of any good thing that springs forth from our life, which, lives, which would be fruit. So that in the end, when something good comes forth from our lives, we just stand in awe and we say, all glory to him. And if someone else happens to notice that in us, then we just point it to him and we say, all glory to God. It's all about all eyes on Jesus. It's, it's Jesus who causes us to germinate. It's Jesus who causes us to grow. It's Jesus who causes us to transform. It's Jesus who causes us to become fruitful. It's Jesus who allows us to stand confident before God, our creator. Amen? (laughs) Yeah. You didn't respond very well to that. Amen? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to hear those shouts. Beautiful, beautiful. Because too often in the Christian faith, we're beating ourselves up Or allowing the enemy to beat us up for what we aren't. Listen, I don't want to undermine the value of a heart that desires to be everything that God wants it to be. But when we start imposing rules on each other and and, and doing things to our bodies in an effort to try to change ourselves... We're short-circuiting the greater work that God wants to do in us. Be a Christ follower. Don't just pray a little prayer for fire insurance and and hope that it all works out in the end. Desire to be everything God wants you to be, but recognize Jesus started the work and Jesus will finish the work. It's a vertical relationship that has horizontal results. Today I ask you to consider the cross, and in that cross... There's a vertical beam that, that points upward. And let that vertical beam remind us to get our sights in the right place, to set our affections, to set our hearts, to set our desires on things above. Do you hear that? Hearts, affections, desires not to allow ourselves to be tantalized and, and led astray by the things of the flesh and the things of the world but desiring the things of, of the eternal kingdom and so it's for that reason that we say all eyes on Jesus but that vertical relationship that vertical connectedness has horizontal effects and so last week we looked at the command of Christ and the command of Christ isn't just another command to be added to a pile of commands. The command of Christ is the command. And along the way, (laughs) when you recognize your battle with the flesh, your struggle with the things of the world, Instead of going around being judgment of everybody for what they're not, walk a humble walk, recognizing where you are dependent upon God, and then make sure, if you get nothing else right, that you get this one thing right. And this command is in John thirteen thirty five, where Jesus says, a new command I give you. And it's the command that supersedes all other commands. Out of keeping your eyes on Jesus, right? A new command I give you: love. And that word, love, is the word agape. The agape love. I don't know if you realize it or not, but there are three words in the Greek language that translate love. Okay, one of those is eros, from which you get, we get the word erotic. Thank God for for erotic attraction. Okay. It's a gift from God it it is a form of love but it's not the highest form of love there's another love the word phileo we think about Philadelphia Philadelphia is known as the city of what brotherly love and that's phileo love it's a connected kind of love a natural connection we love our family members we love those who are friends and close to us but agape love is the will to love It's a choice to love, and it's a choice that says, even though you didn't ask me to love you, and even though you've done nothing to deserve my love, I still love you. In fact, I love you because I love you because I love you, and nothing you will ever do or say will ever change that. That's God's commitment to you. So this is what he says. A new command I give you, agape one another. As I have agaped you, so you must. So is it optional? No, this is is one place where get this right. Even, listen, get it right out of the power of the Holy Ghost working in you because it's a fruit of the Spirit, but also get it right out of discipline because it's the desire of the Father. It's the Father's heart, okay? So if I'm gonna be rigid and legalistic on anything, I'm gonna be rigid on agape, okay? Yes, we must agape one another. By this will all men know you are my disciples. Not by how often you go to church or how many degrees you have on the wall or how much, how much uh, scripture you have memorized or, or, or uh, the things that you're against. How will they know that you are his disciples? What does it say? If you love, if you agape one another that's jesus command you can claim to love god all day and all night you can claim to keep your eyes on jesus but until it's seen in a change of heart and a change of attitude toward one another whatever you do is going to be undermined let's see in our love for one another and yet boy we've got all these denominations we got people leaving churches because they're angry with each other we don't have much room for grace we get upset we get our feelings hurt Oh my goodness, are we missing the most important thing? Huh? Yes. My command is this, agape one another. And therefore, uh, when we started this church, that group of believers wanted to make sure that this body demonstrated love, and therefore our first core value is that we want to provide a warm, friendly environment that nurtures each person so they will be strengthened to sincerely meet the needs of others, love and kindness are a priority at this church. Yesterday, I went to the uh, to the uh, commissioning of uh, David McCready. He's the new pastor of our Anglican church uh, up on uh, uh, Hidden Valley Road. Sweet. Place to go and pray I take people there to go pray sweet chapel up there and uh, there, there's a college uh, a former theology professor there who here I am sitting with a whole bunch of clergy at this table and he wanted them to know that Summit Church is the friendliest church he's ever visited <laughs> that's you okay yeah yeah give glory to God for you huh yeah, and he talked about being greeted out in the parking lot, you know, before he even got to the door. And he says, it says something about a church when they can be so friendly. Well, I believe that, that. that well, what I want to do is I want to talk to you today. That's, that's, that's the core value we talked about last week. That's the first core value. Today, I want to move on, and I want to talk to you about our fifth core value. And our fifth core value is this. Notice it. It's about care groups. It's about experiencing the Christian life in a warm, friendly environment, a consistent statement there, that nurtures believers apart from the larger church. Now, hear me on this. Truth be known, core value number five is the best way that we as a church will fulfill all all six of our core values. If you'd like to see those six core values, I have them here today on the screen, but you can look at them at our website at estesparkchurch.org. In talking about this today, I need to say I do not want to undermine the value of us coming together like this as a large group for corporate worship and for the teaching time that we enjoy. But for that person who desires to be everything that God has intended them to be, yes, Sunday mornings, weekend worship, have a place, but you need more than this. I hope a big part of your coming here today is rooted in a desire to grow in love for God and a desire to grow in love for God's people. But I'm saying you need more than just what we experience on Sunday morning. You need those times when you are interacting with other believers, where they're sharpening you, where you're being sharpened by them. In fact, the scripture we're going to see in just a little bit talks, talks about us spurring on one another. And it's literally the picture of a pair of cowboy boots with a spur on them, nudging the side of the horse, getting it moving in the right direction. And we need believers to help us get moving in the right direction. But the biblical basis Four small groups is our text today, Acts 2.46. And the reason that it's so valuable is because it's the best model that we have as to how churches to function because it shows us how the early church functioned after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So notice what the Bible says about the early church. This is verse 46, chapter 2 of Acts. It says, every day they continued to meet together. Every day. Every day, meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. So notice the contrast. Temple courts in their homes. And ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily. Not some program. Not the charisma of the preacher. Right? Not their building. Right? Right? But the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. So I emphasized those two words, temple courts, which is a picture of the larger church gathering. Like us, they didn't have a building to call their own, so they met in the public place. They met in the temple courts, okay? We meet in the high school. Then I also emphasized that they met from house to house, okay? That's a picture of small groups. And outside of Sunday mornings and Tuesday night youth group, uh, most of what happens here at Summit Church takes place from house to house. People meeting in homes and encouraging each other and spraying each other on. Now, I mentioned that this fifth core value, this core value of small groups, is the best way to help us fulfill all of our core values at church. A good example of this is our third core value. Notice that. It says... That our third core value is about lay ministry mobilization, and that's defined this way, which is about each one of us faithfully serving the Lord with our with our talents and spiritual gifts. Now, our Sunday morning is a good way for us to use our talents and spiritual gifts? Weekend worship? Yes. And let me show you how. Let me just give you a picture of this, all right? I just want to go through a litany of thanksgiving here for a moment. Consider this. I thank God for those people who work to put our bulletin together each week, talking about just getting the information in there. I thank God for volunteers who print the bulletin and fold the bulletin and stuff the bulletin and make sure that it's here ready for church each Sunday. I thank God for our worship team who not only gets here early on Sunday mornings to prepare for your arrival, but also they're taking time on their own. And as a group during the week to make preparations because they want the worship experience to be the best it can possibly be. I thank God for our truck drivers who make sure sure that our trailer is here about 7.45 on Sunday morning with all of our equipment in it. I thank God for those folks. Then at 8 o'clock, I thank God for the setup crew they're here to meet that trailer and to unlock the doors of the school and to begin moving our equipment into its proper places. I thank God for those, those folks. In fact, uh, someone challenged me a few weeks ago asking me if, if that, uh, that setup crew was going to burn out. So I started asking members of the setup crew if they're going to burn out. And they said, that's our part in the kingdom. So I give glory to God for those, those folks. I thank God for those who walk through the schools the school here, each, each Sunday, both before church and after church, because they want things to look as nice as possible. In fact, last Sunday we had that snow, and one fellow showed up earlier to make sure that the sidewalks were shoveled only to find out that someone else had beat him here to shovel the sidewalks. Isn't that cool? Doesn't that bless you to think you've got a job to do and someone's already done it? Yeah, it does, especially when it comes to shoveling, you know? step outside whoa who did this that never happens (laughs) Uh, i thank god for those who bring donuts and sit out coffee do the hospitality stuff for those who set up tables and put out all that information that's out there each and every week most churches don't have to do that you know you just show up it's all there Thank God for those people. I thank God for our nursery workers who love the small children and, and love and being ready and offering uh, y- young families an option for their young children. I thank God for our Sunday school teachers who make preparations to be here to teach our kids and adults, and, and I just appreciate their hearts. I thank God for our greeters, uh, some who brave the cold by greeting people out in the parking lot. Amazing. Others who are inside the door ready to greet, happy that someone else is willing to stand outside in the cold. I thank God for those people. I thank God for people who, whether in a formal way or in an informal way, Love to make Summit Church a friendly church and participate in in that way. All glory to God for them. You are a friendly church, and I thank God for each one of you. I thank God for ushers. I thank God for those who hand out the bulletins. I thank God for our tellers who take time to log our offerings and and those who manage the offerings and make sure that the offerings get safely deposited each week. I thank God for those who pray for me before church, and I thank God for those who are ready to pray for you at any time. Did you notice the new sign that points to the prayer area? Huh? That's the heart of somebody who saw a need and is filling it. Glory to God for the body. Amen? Yeah, we've got more here, I think. I thank God for 100 intercessors all over uh, the world who pray for us as a church and and pray for me, friends and connections and people in our church. Thank God for them. I thank God for those who take your prayer requests each week. Each week we ask you to submit prayer requests and there are those who take those seriously and pray over them, just waiting to hear how God answered your prayers. They're believing that God's going to do that. I thank God for singers and musicians. I thank God for those who lay out this power. I don't do this PowerPoint. I just send my notes and somebody lays this all out. I appreciate those who help in getting ready for this teaching time. I thank God... For those who set out microphones and speakers and all this equipment that we see on stage and, and the, the people who make all of this happen. I thank God for those who work hard. And this is very difficult because we have limited control over these two things, but I thank God for those who work hard to try to get the temperature in the room right and the lights right in the room. Thank you for your efforts. I don't know if you know it, but oftentimes on Sunday, we have an ice pack taped to the thermostat because we have no control over it. And so we're taking charge, man. We put an ice pack over that thing. (laughs) Tell them, say, it's too cold in here. You know, we want heat. It's awesome. Uh, I thank God for those who run the slides and, and who run the sound. I thank God for those who help following up with people throughout the week through phone calls, through notes, through meals, through rides, different places, or who provide me with loaves of bread that I bring to folks on occasion. I thank God for those who represent us with the schools, allowing us to stay on good terms with the schools. Awesome job. I thank God for those who are always thinking about how we can function better as a body. An amazing list of people. There are a bunch of people who make Sunday mornings happen. Can we give glory to God for all of those folks, huh? Thank you. Please don't take them for granted. And I realize, and those people realize, that we can do things much better than we are doing them. But until God raises up the people, then we just have to be glad for what we have and rejoice. Let's not be like the Hebrews in the wilderness who griped about manna again. You know, <laughs> Let's be thankful for manna and, and rejoice. But you know, my, my list is really incomplete. And, and, and here's the reason why. We can do even even though we celebrate all those who make our, our worship times possible and give glory to God for you, we can even do this better through small groups. In fact, there are things I didn't even mention that are part of what makes all this happen. For example, take the fact that I study each week to make sure that we're ready for, for teaching the word on Sunday mornings. Do you realize there are others in our church who have gifts of teaching and preaching? and they need to be allowed to use their gifts well small groups allows opportunities for that we have people in each of the areas that i mentioned who have leadership groups who make sure that each person is doing their part and they know where they're supposed to be well when you take leaders and you put them in small groups right new leaders spring up people who have leadership gifts begin to shine and so small groups provide opportunities for everyone to use their gifts. And the best way that we will fulfill the desire of God and be complete as a church is for each member to play their part. We need you to play your part. And for our church to grow bigger, we need to think smaller because small groups allow the body to function properly. Please remember Ephesians 4.11 where Paul writes these words. He says, And he himself, Christ himself, Gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Well, that's everything we need for the church, right? No! No! Those are just primary gifts, right? Leadership gifts. And what's the purpose of those gifts It goes on? For the equipping of the saints. That's believers. That's set-apart ones. That's you to equip you What for? What does it say? For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I have done my job best when I've worked myself out of a job. Right? Yeah. And if all I do all day is pray and study the scriptures and love people, it's enough if the body is being properly equipped to do the work of the ministry. Now jump down to verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. So even the joints are important. You may just be a joint in the body, not even a foot or a hand, just a joint, right? According to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We will not know what it means to be complete, most effective as a body until everyone is playing their part. Small groups maximizes those opportunities. So my challenge here, by way of application, is for you to consider What are the gifts that God has given you and how are you using your gifts to help complete us as a body? We need you because without you, it'd be like me missing a hand or an ear or a foot. I don't like missing body parts. Yeah, and we're missing you. Small groups, a great place for that to be. So this is a pretty practical lesson today, right? Yeah, and and I hope you're considering these things because it's very important for us obviously it's become a core value someone asked me uh oh last week or so maybe a week and a half ago what exactly is a small group so let me give you this definition a small group and in our uh, core value it stated care group is any time that two or more believers get together apart from the larger church gathering. okay Uh, No longer in the temple uh, courts, but from house to house. So someone says, well, does that mean that a non-believer can't participate in a small group? No, just understand, we want non-believers to come to our small group meetings too, but the core of that is made of two or more believers, okay? So anywhere that believers are coming together... For whatever purpose, now let's consider some purposes. It may be a group that comes together to pray. Man, that Thursday night prayer meeting is rocking, so I'd sure invite you to that. It might be a group that comes together for a Bible-based study. It might be a group that comes together to work out a ministry. Think about ministry teams, the small groups. For example, the worship team becoming a small group. The children's ministry team becoming a small group. The summit Uh, Camp team, becoming kids camp team, becoming a small group. The youth sponsor team, a small group. The missions leadership team, uh, it could go on. The small groups leadership team, hospitality team, greeter team, setup team. We could go on and on with these teams. Think about all of those ministry teams becoming small groups. It can be as simple as moms and or dads meeting at the park while their children are playing together on the swings. It could be that simple. It could be a group that comes together to help someone else out. I uh, was reading about a church this morning called Celebrate up in uh, um, South Dakota, I believe, that spends $90,000 a year buying car parts for people who need their cars fixed in their community. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that can become, that sounds like a big group to me, but I bet it's made up of a whole bunch of small groups. So people coming together to help other people out. Uh, It can be a hiking group. It can be a golf group. And what I'm trying to get across here is there is no limitations to the possibilities of small groups. They can be as formal or informal as you want them to be. They can be short-term or they can be ongoing. Okay? It's just about believers coming together. However... Wherever believers are coming together, apart from the larger church gathering, I would like them to consider incorporating four things in some fashion. Okay, one of those things might be an element of worship. How can we do worship? I'm not talking about you need a praise band, but how can we worship together, which fulfills our second core value? It can be an. It needs to be an element of care where each member of that team knows the people of that team will have their backs if they get in a crisis or need help, okay? And that fulfills this fifth core value that we're talking about. It needs to have some sort of ministry. In other words, that group in coming together needs to do something other than just meeting their own needs. They need to think about meeting others' needs because it's only as we meet other needs that we find our needs being met. And that fulfills our fourth core value, which is about outreach. And is defined equipping believers to be contagious bridge builders to the unchurched. You know, it's interesting to me, as your pastor, that when I think about inviting people to church, are you, are you all tracking with me here? Do I have you? When I think about inviting people to church, I really think about how do I get them to, to our Sunday morning worship time. Does that surprise you? Huh. What's with that? Uh, oh, not too terribly long ago, I got a call from somewhere else in the country because a woman in our community on some trip had received Christ And this person who led them to Christ knew me and wanted that person to connect with some at church. But I didn't invite that person to to Sunday morning. What I did instead was I invited them to one of our Beth Moore studies. Why would I do that? Because I recognize that it is more significant to connect people with the people of our church than it is to try to connect them with a crowd. Isn't that interesting? Uh, last week we had a group of pastors in town for a thing called uh, Ministers and Mates. And some of the pastors, you know, get all these pastors together and they're all excited and charged up. I love worshiping with those guys. And a couple of those guys had met a guy at the YMCA that they were all excited about and they wanted me to meet him and they'd invited him to church. and, And so finally we sat down and we talked. But I didn't invite him to Sunday morning. I invited him to our Tuesday men's group. And I invited him to our Thursday prayer time. Why? Because I recognize there's greater value in connecting folks with the people of our church than trying to connect them with a crowd. See where I'm going with this? And, and it's probably rooted in my personal testimony because I think many of you know that I credit a guy named Pete for my coming to faith. I mean, in fifth grade, Praise the Lord, Tucson decided to change the school zoning uh, boundaries. And all of a sudden, a whole bunch of kids from Gia Keene ended up at Robinson fifth grade. And here comes Pete, and he's angry because he was forced out of his school, into my school. But there was something about that kid. I didn't know he was a believer. I wanted to be around him. And uh, in high school, uh, we started doing some hiking together. Uh, eventually he said, you know, his youth group does some hiking, if I wanted to join him with that. Then he said, you know, he doesn't always remember to invite me on youth group activities, and I'd just come to the youth group Bible study. I'd know when the, the other stuff was taking place. So I started going to youth group. And from there, I started going to church. And somewhere in there, Jesus Christ came alive to me, and I put my faith in Christ, got baptized in that church, and found a calling into the ministry through that. But do you see the connectedness that took place right there? Connecting people to the people of the church rather than trying to connect them to the crowd. Do you see the value of small groups? Do you see it? I mean, not only does it allow each member to use their gifts, but they also become a tool for care because as our church grows, we can't hire enough staff to care for everybody. And we're not doing that now thanks to this body that does such a good job caring for each other. But it's also an opportunity for, for ministry, and for outreach. And then there's a fourth thing here that I'd like to see these groups do, and that is uh, to consider how we can spur each other on in our relationship with Christ, and that's our sixth core value, discipleship, cultivating a growing relationship with Christ through the spiritual disciplines. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews ten twenty four. It says, and let us... Consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Small groups do that. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day, as you see the day, the day of Jesus' return, approaching. Small groups. My greatest small group memory... You want to know what my greatest small group memory was? <laughs> it was Wednesday night prayer meeting in Tucson. And it wasn't the prayer meeting that was so great. What was so great was I didn't have a car. My buddy Pete, uh, he was always working. He was serious about this girl all the time. So he was very busy. He never made it to prayer meeting. But Pete's dad would pick me up to go to prayer meeting. Now, here I am, this young kid. And here's Mr. Davidson, this very smart chem physicist doing research for the University of Arizona who loved Jesus. And every Wednesday on the way to prayer meeting and the way home from prayer meeting, I had a chance to talk to Mr. Davidson about God, about faith, and about life. It was the greatest. I mean, this scientist who actually believed in the possibility of a seven-day creation. Are you kidding me? amazing mr davidson and i wish everybody could have the opportunity to sit down with a mr davidson small groups give us the opportunity to do this what is your small group story i just want you to watch this clip the short clip consider what is your small group story can we have that Inside your bulletins, there's a brochure about small groups we currently offer as a church, and I just want you to notice the statement, what's missing, because you may see a need, and God may prompt you to fill it. We just want people connecting outside of Sunday mornings, spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. Again, can I take you to the cross? Jesus, by all practical purposes, was a failure. The span of his ministry was an investment in 12 men, one whom betrayed him, all 12 of whom fell away at Jesus' darkest hour. But it was that three years with those disciples that caused them to wait after Jesus was crucified and then appeared to them again after he rose from the dead and to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and then went on to turn the world right side up and to give us the opportunity to come together in faith in Jesus Christ. Come to the cross. Come to Jesus. Meet each other at the cross. Two or three, however many, and spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's my challenge for today. So what do you think? Awesome? All right. It's only because I love you. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Can I get the praise team up here? Let's sing a song.